Welcome to Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha, a podcast shared by David Roylance. This podcast is dedicated to guiding you to completely eliminate the discontent mind and the suffering it causes by attaining enlightenment. Learn and practice the teachings of Gotama Buddha that will guide you to fully attain a peaceful, calm, serene, and content mind with joy. To support this podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash support Buddha or visit buddhadailywisdom.com where you will discover a full range of courses, retreats, and online learning resources to assist you on the path to enlightenment. Now, here's our teacher to share more. Hello and welcome to Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha. Today we're starting the group learning program from the very beginning of this book, Developing a Life Practice, The Path That Leads to Enlightenment. Over the next seven months, we're going to be sharing teachings from this book on Sundays and Wednesdays in order to help you along this path to enlightenment. You might be asking yourself, what is the path to enlightenment? But let me start by asking a question. How many of you experience anger, sadness, frustration, irritation, annoyance, guilt, shame, fear, boredom, loneliness, shyness, jealousy, resentment, or any of these other feelings? Let's just see a show of hands with your physical hand up in the air. How many of you are experiencing those feelings throughout your life? Okay, so if you're experiencing those feelings, would you believe me? if I told you that you can eliminate those feelings? Well, if you answered no, that you won't believe me, then that's the good news because you shouldn't believe anything that I ever say and you shouldn't believe anything that the Buddha says because by you not believing what we say and instead investigating, examining the teachings, then you can actually experience the elimination of all these discontent feelings. Because it's no fun to experience discontentedness like anger and sadness, frustration, irritation. All of these feelings are actually optional. But in the unenlightened mind, we experience these feelings and we don't know the way out. It's the Buddhist teachings that teach us the way out and how to escape this constant discontentedness, this cycle where the mind just continually experiences anger, sadness, frustration, boredom, loneliness, guilt, fear, shame, jealousy, resentment. The mind just keeps bouncing around to all of these discontent feelings and others. So what this program is all about is over the next seven months, I'm going to help you slowly, gradually build up your practice so that you can gradually start to diminish these feelings and never need to experience them again as the mind enters into enlightenment. Now, in seven months, you're not going to experience enlightenment, but in a matter of a few weeks, you will experience a diminishing of discontent feelings. That's the beauty of the Buddhist teachings, is that you don't need to believe his teachings. Instead, you learn them, you reflect on them, and you practice them. And through practice, you can see the truth for yourself that the condition of the mind, the discontentedness that you experience will slowly, gradually diminish. 
And if you are actively learning and practicing these teachings, then you will see those results for yourself. You won't need to believe that what you're learning is the truth. Instead, as you learn, you don't believe the teachings. You investigate them, you examine them, you reflect on them, you look inward, and then you practice them to see the truth for yourself. So in these classes over the next seven months, I will be introducing you to the teachings for intellectual learning. And we'll talk about how we're gonna do that towards the middle of today's class. We'll explain to you how this program unfolds over the course of seven months. There's this intellectual learning that I'm here to guide you through. But you don't believe those teachings. Instead, you reflect on them. You look inward to determine if they're actually true or not. And then as you think about those teachings, you contemplate them, you reflect on them, then you move them into practice and see the truth for yourself to acquire wisdom and improve the condition of the mind. So I would like to welcome all of you. Thank you all for being here. If this is your first time learning with me, truly you're very, very welcome to learn and continue to get exposure to the Buddhist teachings throughout this program and the others that we offer as well. But rather than to go into too much discussion right now, what I'd like to do is go to that third piece, that practice that the Buddha has as part of his teachings to help you see some of his teachings in practice. What I'd like to do is do a short little meditation with you, just probably only five minutes, maybe 10 minutes. And then after meditation, we'll kind of introduce the program to you and help you to understand where we're headed over the next seven months and how you can get the most benefit out of this program. So if you're just joining us and you've never meditated before, or if you've meditated before, it's okay. I'm going to just assume that this is your first time learning. You've never actually learned meditation ever before. And if you approach this that way, that will actually be best for you because then you can learn from the very beginning and build up your practice slowly. So what you would like to do is take a position seated either on the floor or in a chair. If you're seated on the floor, you probably would like to put some cushions under your rear in order to get your rear up in the air. That lessens the angle at your hips, your knees, and your ankles. If you're in a chair, you just would like your lower body to be nice and stable on the chair. Maybe you cross your feet at the ankles. Maybe you have them flat on the floor. This practice isn't about everyone doing it exactly the same. It's about finding what's comfortable, not luxurious, but also not painful, what's comfortable for you. So make the lower body comfortable. Then the hands and the arms. There's lots of options for this. The Buddha put his right hand on top of his left and then put his thumbs together. And then he put that in his lap in order to relax the arms, the shoulders, in the hands. If that works for you and it feels comfortable, you can use it. But if not, there's other options like placing your palms on your thighs, your knees, maybe you put the arms on the armrest, whatever's comfortable. Basically, your lower body, your hands and arms should be completely disengaged. The muscles should just be completely relaxed. The upper body should be erect. Not real rigid and not slouched, but just erect. This is going to help the mind stay attentive and alert during the meditation. Next, just close the eyes 
Start breathing in through the nose and out through the nose. Just take some nice natural breaths. Breathing in and out. Your breath might not match up to the guidance that I'm providing, and that's fine. This is just a reminder for you to take a nice, gradual, natural breath in through the nose and out through the nose. Breathing in. and out. Breathing in and out. Start bringing the awareness of the mind to the breath. You should start fixating the mind on the sound of the breath. Either the sound of the air entering the nose or the sensation of air moving over the skin into the nose. The breath is the present moment. Fixate the mind on the breath, the present moment. Breathing in. In, out. Breathing in. In, out. Next, as the mind wanders off the breath, at any point where you notice that, Cut it off and let it go. Whatever thought, idea is in the mind, just wherever you observe it, cut it off, let it go, and come back to the breath, the present moment. Breathing in. In, out. Breathing in. In, out. Now I'm going to be quiet for a little bit. Just allow you to do this work. Maintaining the breath. Breathing in through the nose and out through the nose, fixating the mind on the breath. Wherever you notice that the mind is not on the breath, cut that off, let it go, and bring it back to the breath, the present moment. 
Breathing in. In, out. Okay, if you guys would like to just slowly make your way out of meditation, this is just a short little meditation 
just to give a little taste if you've never meditated before just kind of slowly ease the mind out of meditation this is what we call breathing mindfulness meditation I'm going to help you build up this practice over the next four Wednesdays starting next Wednesday we'll be doing a four-part series where I'll be helping you to build up this practice from the very beginning helping to introduce you to it and really discussing how to get the most benefit out of the breathing mindfulness meditation and what it's used for and then we'll move into multiple sessions of that deepening your practice more and more each Wednesday for the next four Wednesdays after that we're going to be moving into a four-part series on what's called loving kindness meditation that's going to be on Wednesdays as well our Sundays are going to be a little bit different those classes are going to be focused on a chapter in the book or some significant topic that we're discussing in order to help build up your wisdom and understanding about the teachings themselves so once again i'd like to welcome all of you to this new start of the group learning program and i would like to help you understand how the buddhist teachings are structured and how we actually use them in order to awaken the mind what you might be interested to understand though is what is a buddha let's talk about that just to kind of start out with some very basic simple things of what is a buddha a buddha is a human being who has independently discovered the path to enlightenment the buddha that we're sourcing our teachings to lived over 2500 years ago he on his own over a six-year journey discovered teachings that awakened his mind to this enlightened mental state and by him doing it by himself without any influence from any teachers this is how his teachings became very pure or we refer to him as the perfectly fully enlightened buddha because his teachings aren't tainted or affected by any influences from outside sources it's only his own discovery of these teachings that led to his enlightenment so the first major criteria that makes a buddha a buddha is that they are a human being who independently awakens to enlightenment on their own discovering the path to enlightenment next throughout the rest of that lifetime they share their independently discovered teachings to help as many people as possible countless beings guiding them to the same mental state of enlightenment so the teachings that they discovered on their own then they teach them for the rest of their life and this individual we refer to as Gautama Buddha taught for 45 years he attained enlightenment at the age of 35 and then for the next 45 years he shared his teachings helping countless beings attain enlightenment the third criteria that makes a Buddha a Buddha is that they leave their teachings in a condition that after their death countless more beings can attain enlightenment so once a Buddha has actually taught for the rest of their life then upon their death there's going to be many enlightened beings that exist in the world and then those beings are going to then share the teachings into the world continuing to help countless people attain enlightenment and that's what we've experienced with Gautama Buddha over the last 2,500 years there's been countless people that have attained enlightenment based on his teachings not based on belief but based on learning 
reflecting, and practicing. Well, then the question becomes, well, what is the path to enlightenment? The path to enlightenment is not belief. It's not rites, rituals, ceremonies, or worship. Instead, the Buddhist teachings are guidance of how to train the mind to experience this enlightened mental state. Because in order to attain this enlightened mental state, the mind needs to be actively trained through a training, through teachings, or through what we call a discipline. I refer to this as the natural laws of existence. The reason why the Buddhist teachings from 2,500 years ago are just as applicable today as they were 2,500 years ago is because the natural laws of existence haven't changed. As I start sharing the teachings in our next session, you'll see that his teachings can be readily applied to all the things that we're experiencing today. Why we're experiencing anger as human beings is the exact same reasons why they experienced anger 2,500 years ago, or why the mind experiences guilt, shame, or fears today is the same reasons why they experienced guilt, shame, and fear 2,500 years ago. So when the Buddha discovered how to eliminate these discontent feelings from the mind 2,500 years ago, those same teachings, that same guidance, those same natural laws of existence applied then and they also apply now. And because we don't believe the teachings, but instead we learn them, we reflect on them, and we practice them, you can see the truth that you independently confirm the teachings with your own practice. You need guidance from a teacher to help you learn those teachings, but then in your own practice, you can see the truth for yourself. This is helping you to see that path to enlightenment more and more clearly by you learning these natural laws of existence and helping to train the mind to experience this enlightened mental state. Well, then the third question becomes, what is enlightenment itself? Well, we're going to study that in chapter three, about probably six weeks from now. We're going to study that in a lot of detail. But just to give you kind of a heads up, just a brief little encapsulation of what enlightenment is, is it's a mental state where the mind is peaceful, calm, serene, and content with joy, and that mental state is permanent. Once the mind is trained to experience that enlightened mental state, it will never again revert back to being unenlightened. So once the mind eradicates anger, sadness, frustration, irritation, annoyance, guilt, shame, fear, boredom, loneliness, shyness, resentment, jealousy, dissatisfaction, displeasure, all of these discontent feelings and more, once the mind is experiencing that mental state, it will never revert back to the way it was before. It's a permanent mental state. An enlightened being will no longer experience any discontent feelings whatsoever. So this is just kind of what a Buddha is, what is this path to enlightenment, and what is enlightenment itself. Now let's talk about what this program is, because this program is going to be exposing you to this path to enlightenment and helping you to develop your life practice so that you can progress along this path to enlightenment. But you're the one that will have to do that work. 
Your teacher can guide you. Your teacher can share teachings with you. We can provide you resources, but each individual practitioner has to actually do the work, not through rites, rituals, ceremonies, or worship, not through believing anything, but through investigating the teachings. And that's what these classes will help you get started with. What we're doing in this program is we have an interactive online classes where you can learn this path to enlightenment. You can log into Zoom, where Zoom is really nice because you can log in at class time, which is nine o'clock Thai time and whatever time that is in your local time zone. But you could also log in a little bit early because there's a, a fair number of students who will log in anywhere from 15, 20, 30 minutes early. And you can meet some of your classmates. You can talk and have some discussions in Zoom because this community of practitioners are people that are going to help you and be able to be there to support you and encourage you along this path. So this is the community and it's kind of nice to be able to meet people in Zoom. But if you don't have access to Zoom or for one reason or another, you're not interested in coming into the interactive online classroom, we also live stream this through Facebook and YouTube. There's other live streams that we do too on Twitch and Periscope but we monitor Facebook and YouTube for any questions that come in. So if you're in Zoom, Facebook, or YouTube, you'll be able to ask questions live during the live classes. So those are the best three ways to actually access the classes on Sunday and Wednesday. On Sunday, we'll be taking a chapter from this book and we'll be discussing it. And then on Wednesday, we'll be doing either breathing mindfulness meditation, loving kindness meditation, and also teaching Buddhist chanting about two months from now. The first part of this program, I will be introducing you to what's called the Eightfold Path. This is the path to enlightenment. And typically we'll cover this in just one class session because it's in chapter five. But what I'm going to do at the beginning of this program is I'm gonna take three class sessions and I'm gonna break down the path to enlightenment piece by piece over three Sundays, starting this Sunday. So it'll be a three-part class where we'll explore the section of the Eightfold Path that is titled Wisdom, Moral Conduct, and Mental Discipline, Training the Mind to Have Discipline. And with that overview, you'll get a very good understanding of what the Path to Enlightenment is and then throughout the rest of the program, we'll go chapter by chapter, starting with chapter one, to be able to help you to see this entire path and build up your practice piece by piece. There's even a class before we start chapter one where we're going to be discussing the four stages of enlightenment. We're going to be discussing the 10 fetters and also the seven factors of enlightenment. These are important aspects to understand as part of this overview or this survey of what the path to enlightenment is. There's a Facebook group that a lot of people join in order to have discussion and ask questions. It's called Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha. And what you'll see in that Facebook group is you'll see daily posts where I'll be making posts from content from this book and other aspects of the path to enlightenment. And there you can read the post that I share and you can also ask questions. If you have questions related to the post, you can ask right on the post or you can make your own post in order to ask any questions from your reading or anything else that you're encountering throughout your week. 
you can post a question into the Facebook group. There's a video library in YouTube where you'll be able to access all of these classes. They're recorded in Facebook, YouTube, and on a podcast. So over the seven months, as you happen to miss a class here or there, you can always take in the content of the class at your own pace by looking at the same live stream just as a replay in Facebook, YouTube, which has the audio and the visual aids, or you can use the podcast, which just has the cleaned up audio. There's an audio book that is based on the predecessor to this book. There was a book prior to this that I wrote that I ended up doing an audio book for. And I haven't had the opportunity to do an audiobook for this book, but I will at some point. So if you like to have an audiobook, you can access that through the podcast or through YouTube. There's a read and listen where you can actually read the book right in YouTube and you can actually listen to me speaking it at the same time. That book has less content than the new book. I suggest for you, if you're able to read and you learn well that way, to focus on the new book. But if you would prefer to have an audiobook, you can use those resources. That book has about 100 pages less than the newest book. So the newest book has more updated content that will help you in your learning. And at the end of each chapter, there's also quizzes that are linked into the end of each chapter that has a particular quiz. So when you read the chapter in the book, at the very end, there's a table that says learning resources for further exploration. And if you access the links there, those are the classes that I taught in the last version of this program, where you'll see the YouTube videos, you'll see the podcast, you'll see the audiobook and the quizzes to be able to help you investigate some additional resources besides just the reading. So you have the reading and you also have these classes and then you have the links from prior classes as well, depending on how much time you would like to in invest in your learning. You could just come to this class and that's it. And you could just learn orally and just come every Sunday and Wednesday and gain benefit from just learning in the class. Or you could combine that with some reading so that you read and come to class. You could combine that with coming to class, reading, and looking at some of the resources from prior classes, including taking the quizzes, if you have the time that you can invest in doing that. Either way, any of those methods, you'll be able to increment and increase the amount of content and depth that you're learning the, through these resources and be able to glean more and more information out of the teachings themselves. So you can decide at what level of depth are you able to learn? Is it just coming to classes and that's what you've got space in your life for now? Great, wonderful, welcome, glad you're here. If you would like to add some reading, outstanding. That'll probably take you about an hour a week in addition to these classes. And then if you add anything else, that will just increase the amount of time that you're able to invest in your learning and your progress on this path to eliminating discontentedness. As you go in this program, there's ongoing support. You can ask questions during these classes. You'll be able to ask in Zoom, Facebook, or YouTube. You'll be able to ask questions in Zoom live by electronically raising your hand, 
or you'll be able to put those into the comments section and our moderators will see that and make sure your question gets asked during the class. If you're in Facebook or YouTube, you can put your comments there. Our moderators will see that and then be able to get your question asked during the class. So any of the online classes, you're able to ask questions live and get help right away. If you're watching this on a replay and you're not able to ask questions live, you can ask questions in the Facebook group. So on this particular video, if you ask questions there or you make a completely brand new post about the class or the chapter or anything else that you're coming across related to the Buddhist teachings, you can make a brand new post. And then when I see that, I will answer the question that you have. The Facebook group is set up where only the teacher is able to share guidance with you. So all the students are there just asking questions. So students will ask questions either on a post or as a brand new post, and then the teacher will answer your questions for you. There's other Facebook groups where people are all teaching each other, and there's plenty of those that are out there that you could participate in if you like, but this particular Facebook group is just set up so that the students can ask questions to a teacher and get help and guidance from the teacher. Another option to get some support is you can send me a private chat through Facebook. You can send me an email. There's those options and others where you can reach out to me privately and have some chat and some text discussion if you'd like to do it that way. And then there's the other option that you can schedule a personal discussion with me. The way that you would do that is using this link, calendly.com forward slash David Roylands. And I've got this linked in the Facebook group and some other places that you might have seen this link. At any point as you progress, you're welcome to schedule these appointments. There's no cost. There's no need to feel that you need to pay anything for these. These are offered openly and freely for all people. And there's no limit to the number that you can schedule. And some people like to schedule these early on when they first get started, you know, maybe once a week, once every two weeks or something like this, just to kind of get started. And then they will spread them out further and further as they kind of get more established in their practice. So this is something that's available to you at any time when you go to that link, you'll see available appointments that I've set aside just for students. And the times should adjust for your local time zone. So when you're scheduling, it'll show you in your local time zone what times are available. And then it'll send me a notification so that I'll know. And then we just meet in Zoom together. And it's just you and I one-on-one -on -one to help you get a chance to seek any guidance or understanding about the Buddhist teachings or anything about this path to enlightenment that you'd like to discuss. So let me pause here for our first round of questions and see if there's any questions that you guys have related to anything that I've shared so far. The way that you would ask a question is in Facebook, YouTube, or Zoom. You would just put that into the comment section. Our moderators will see that or you can electronically raise your hand and the moderators will call on you. You can unmute yourself and then be able to ask your questions live. So at this point, I'd like to introduce James, Bossom, and Manal. We also have Nick as well. I'm not sure if he's logged in since we've started class, but there's four moderators and 
throughout the various classes that we have, there'll be a combination of one, two, three, or four of them that are helping along the class. So thank you four for helping us in the classes. And I'll just kind of turn things over to you guys to see what questions we have before we move on any further. Hi, David. You mentioned previously that belief is not a part of this study program. I was asking you to expand on that because oftentimes when we learn, belief is a large basis of our learning. So if you could just explain that a bit further. The reason why we don't believe anything in these teachings is that belief won't help you see the truth. If somebody believes something, they don't know if it's true or false. And if it's false, then it's not going to lead to wisdom. The thing that awakens the mind to enlightenment, this word awakening, what it really means is the mind becomes more wise. That's what awakening means, is you awaken to the wisdom of these natural laws of existence. If you just believe teachings, then you haven't seen the truth for yourself. So therefore, you haven't experienced wisdom and you haven't acquired wisdom. If you think about anybody who's grown up believing in Santa Claus or believing in the tooth fairy or any of these other beliefs that were taught throughout our life, we grow up at a certain point and we believe certain things. And then at a certain point, we see the truth for ourselves and we gain the wisdom. And we know that Santa Claus doesn't exist. We know that the tooth fairy doesn't exist. Those were beliefs. And we then gain this wisdom that we know without a shadow of a doubt that Santa Claus and the Tooth Fairy doesn't exist. And it doesn't matter how many Santa Clauses you see walking down the street or in the mall, it doesn't matter how many Christmas carols you hear on the radio, your mind is unshakable that you know with 100% certainty that Santa Claus doesn't exist or the Tooth Fairy doesn't exist. And by you having that wisdom, your mind is steady, confirmed, content, related to this topic. You know the truth and nobody can shake you off of that. Well, with the Buddhist teachings, you need to do the same thing in order to get to this enlightened mental state. The Buddha described the enlightened mental state as an unshakable mind, that it's steady and unshakable and content. And the way that you get to that is through wisdom, not belief. Because if you just believe things, you wouldn't know if it's true or false and your mind is going to be shaky. But by you independently confirming the truth, by your teacher sharing guidance with you, you learning those teachings, and then independently confirming the truth for yourself, you gain wisdom. And then your mind becomes unshakable that you know the truth of these natural laws of existence. Just like with the natural law of gravity, you know if you take some solid object or any object and you let it go, you know without a shadow of a doubt it's going to drop because you know the natural law of gravity. Well, these natural laws that the Buddha talked about and that he taught and he, he shared with people, namely the natural law of gamma, these natural laws are very similar. That if you awakened throughout your life to the natural law of gravity, then now what you'll need to do in order to live more peacefully with a peaceful mind is awaken to these other natural laws. Because when we were growing up as children, we didn't understand the natural law of gravity. 
we fell down, we busted our knee, we busted our elbow, we hurt our head, our toys would fall down and break, we would knock over glasses and break them and we would cry and cry and cry. We tried to ride a bicycle, we kept falling down and hurting ourselves, but eventually we awakened to this natural law of gravity. We gained the wisdom of this natural law. Somewhere around age 12, 14, 16, we became experts. It took a gradual process of training and we eventually trained the mind to deeply understand this natural law of gravity and life became more liberating. It became more free for us. We experienced this freedom where we could roam about the world, we could travel, we could ride bicycles, maybe even ride a motorcycle and walk around the world without tripping and falling over our shoelaces, for example, or tripping and falling over a curb or a sidewalk. And that's where life became a lot more peaceful for us. We ended up not having scars and scratches on our elbows and on our knees and things like this because our mind gained this wisdom of the natural law of gravity. It awakened to this natural law of gravity. Well, that's what the Buddhist path is doing, is as you learn the path to enlightenment, you don't believe his teachings, but instead you learn them, you reflect on them and you practice them, you discover the truth, you gain this wisdom, and now your mind becomes unshakable that you know the truth of these natural laws, and it's just a matter of making wiser and wiser decisions throughout your life. Just like we made wiser decisions about the natural law of gravity, we understood to put our nice toys here and put our nice jewelry here and put our nice shoes over here. And we understood to put our glass of water here. And as we gained that wisdom and we made those wiser choices, life became more peaceful. So the same thing is as the mind gains this wisdom and awakens to the natural law of existence, then we will make wiser and wiser choices because we know the truth. We understand with wisdom, deeply understand these natural laws of existence, and therefore we will no longer make the same decisions that we make now. So for example, if you find yourself arguing with friends or life partners or your children, you're arguing because the mind has what we call craving, anger, and ignorance, which we'll talk about in this program later. This unknowing of true reality that the mind has, this ignorance or unknowing of true reality, we make unwise decisions because we don't have the wisdom that arguing is going to lead to unwholesome results. And we don't have the mental discipline in the unenlightened state to avoid these arguments. We don't understand how to make skillful decisions to not argue. So as you don't believe these teachings, but instead you learn them, reflect on them, and practice them, you gain this wisdom. And now with that wisdom, you will make wiser and wiser choices, cleaning up the condition of the mind and cleaning up the condition of your life. Do these benefits that you've mentioned that we can experience do they happen when we reach this stage of enlightenment or do they happen gradually along the way? They're gradual along the way. So as the mind gradually awakens, gaining wisdom little by little, you will see a gradual diminishing of discontentedness as you walk the path. We call it enlightenment. And sometimes the perception is that there's a light switch, you know, 
that flicks on and like, boom, you're enlightened. There's even a myth in the world that the Buddha sat under a tree, he meditated, and then at some point, boom, he attained enlightenment. Well, if you look at his teachings and his actual words, he talks about a gradual training, gradual practice, and gradual progress along this path. So while people might say one thing in the world that they think that he sat down, meditated, and a light switch flipped and he attained enlightenment, that's what people say. And that's the difference between myth and reality or belief and true reality is that when you study the Buddhist teachings and you see what he actually said in his own words, that it's a gradual practice, well, okay, you understand that. But then through your own experience, you will see in your own experience that your mind gradually awakens, that you gradually diminish this discontentedness, and that's where you'll see the truth and gain the wisdom that, yes, the Buddha said it was gradual, I see it's happening gradual, and now I know the truth, and I've got this wisdom. But as you apply yourself and you stay dedicated and diligent to the path, you'll see this gradual progress over a period of time that your mind will gradually move into being more peaceful, calm, serene, and content with joy as you're gradually, slowly diminishing discontentedness. Thank you, David. Those are all the questions we have at this time. Okay. So let's talk about, you know, why would somebody be interested in taking this program or even learning this path to enlightenment? The number one reason why people became students of the Buddha during his lifetime is to train the mind to attain enlightenment. That was the one primary goal that everybody had in learning and practicing the teachings with Gautama Buddha, because during his lifetime, there was no other reason. Because he had attained enlightenment, people could observe it more and more that he was very peaceful, very calm, very polite, very friendly, very respectful. He was very wise. They were learning his teachings. They weren't believing him. They were practicing. They were seeing that the condition of their own mind was becoming peaceful, calm, serene, and content with joy. As more and more people started observing their mental state improving, they knew they were learning the truth because they could see that this wise individual shared teachings with them. They didn't believe them. They practiced them and they could see their mind moving to this enlightened mental state on their own. So training the mind was the number one reason to learn and practice this path to enlightenment. And today, if you study with me and you decide to progress through this program and and learn any other ways that I have that I offer for people to learn, your goal should be to move the mind to this peaceful, calm, serene, and content mind with joy where you no longer experience any discontentedness. All of these discontent feelings, sadness, anger, frustration, irritation, annoyance, guilt, shame, fear, boredom, loneliness, shyness, resentment, stress, anxiety, all of these and others can be completely eliminated from the human mind. We don't need to experience these discontent feelings. But because the mind is unknowing of true reality, it has this ignorance, this confusion, or this delusion. It's not awakened. It doesn't have this wisdom of how to eliminate these things. Just like we didn't have the wisdom of the natural law of gravity 
growing up and we face struggles and difficulties in life, this is why you've had challenges in your personal and professional relationships your whole life because you haven't had the wisdom of these natural laws of existence and how to awaken with this wisdom so that you can function in a more peaceful way, having eliminated these discontent feelings. So as you experience more and more of learning these teachings, you'll see that your life will become more and more peaceful, that as you face challenges, you will have the wisdom in order to resolve those challenges. An enlightened being isn't walking around on a cloud. You know, this cloud just kind of pushes all the challenges out of your life. You're still in the world. You're still a human being. It's just that your mind no longer experiences discontentedness. You're experiencing this peaceful, calm, serene, and content mind with joy. But you have this deep, profound wisdom to now face all the challenges in your life. Because as you face challenges in your life so far, and you've lacked the wisdom, this is where the mind really struggles and has a lot of difficulties because it's not quite sure how to resolve the challenges that it's facing or the problems that it's facing. But through learning and practicing this path, you will gain more and more wisdom of how to face every single challenge in a peaceful way and doing that in a way that doesn't cause harm to others. And as you do, it's going to improve your personal and professional relationships. You'll learn how to interact with people on a personal and professional level that's very different than what you're doing before you start walking this path. So if you've had challenges in personal relationships, in professional relationships, it's not because you're a bad person. It's not because you're wrong. It's not because of any of those kind of things. It's just because you've lacked the wisdom of how to make wholesome decisions that lead to wholesome results. And one of the interesting thing about the Buddhist teachings is he doesn't tell you what to do. He doesn't give you a decision tree that if this happens, do that. And if this happens, do this. Instead, he provides you this guidance of this natural law. And then based on these natural laws with your free will decisions, you start making wiser and wiser decisions because there's always 10 million right answers out there about how to solve any one particular challenge. But if you're lacking wisdom and your mind becomes angered or sad or frustrated or feeling guilty or there's resentment, it's very difficult to access any kind of wisdom and bring that wisdom to bear to face any challenges that you're experiencing in your personal and professional relationships. So when you train the mind, with this wisdom and it becomes calm, then you'll have more awareness of mind, you'll have more concentration, and you'll be able to access the wisdom to be able to come forth and address any challenges that you're facing. You'll notice that the mind will gain more focus, more concentration, more clarity of mind, and more memory. Essentially what you're doing on the path to enlightenment is you're optimizing the mind. You're bringing it to the middle where it functions optimally. Because when the mind is on one side, where it's really excited, it's elated, it's thrilled, it's euphoria, it's not functioning optimally. It's lost its concentration. But also, if the mind is sad and angered and frustrated and annoyed, 
it's also not functioning well either. And you've experienced that. So you know what those feelings are like. But when the mind is perfectly tuned to the middle, then it can function optimally. And now you can bring this focus, concentration, clarity of mind and memory into your daily life and start functioning much more like a human being rather than walking around with this kind of cloud that kind of feels like we're dragging our feet through the mud. As the mind moves to enlightenment and ultimately attains enlightenment, an enlightened being will eliminate the cycle of rebirth. This is something that we discuss much later in this program. We'll get to it around chapter 20, I think it is. Chapter 20 is where we kind of cover that. So that's about, what is that, six months from now? You know, five or six months from now? So this whole cycle of rebirth, I can tell you with 100% certainty that it's true. I never believed in the cycle of rebirth. I never did. But through experiences that I've had, I know with 100% certainty that it's true. But at this point in learning, you don't necessarily need to know that it's true or it's false. Because what happened in the past, in terms of all the rebirths that you've had in the past, they're in the past. And what may or may not happen in the future, you don't have to focus on that because it's in the future. The beauty is that you've obtained this human birth, a very rare and unique experience to be able to be born into the human realm. And now in this human realm, you can experience enlightenment and you can diminish this discontentedness and experience this mental state that's peaceful, calm, serene, and content with joy. And if you accomplish that, then you will know that you'll never experience despair or misery or sorrow or grief or displeasure ever again. Because as the mind is in this enlightened mental state, you'll no longer experience any kind of painful feelings that are coming into the mind on this emotional level. And once one attains enlightenment, they will never be reborn back into the world to experience this misery again if you experience these miserable situations throughout your life because you've gained the wisdom of how to escape this whole cycle. So this is the reason why, some of the reasons, the important reasons why somebody would train their mind to attain enlightenment on the path to enlightenment. Any questions on any of this? I was wondering, David, are there any special skills or background that one would need to make progress on this path? The very best student that will progress the best on a path like this is one who isn't interested in believing, someone who's willing to investigate the teachings, someone who takes the time, effort, energy, and resources to roll up the sleeves and dig in to be able to see the truth and be diligent and consistent. Right now, if you've got some complacency, maybe a little bit of laziness, that's okay. That's where you're at right now. There's antidotes to that. There's ways to fix that in the mind, which we're going to get to in a few class sessions on a Sunday. I'm going to be talking about how to eliminate that stuff. But as you do, the student who's going to be making the most amount of progress and experience the best results is one who's willing to roll up the sleeves, investigate the teachings, apply energy to do so, and remains 
determined, dedicated, and diligent throughout their studies. A very consistent ongoing practice. If you've tried to meditate before and you haven't had a teacher to help you, then just coming to learn with a teacher is a big benefit for you because you've got somebody that's motivated to help you and willing to support you in multiple different ways. So that's a real benefit for you. But if you've meditated and you've maybe been kind of on again, off again, on again, off again, there hasn't been enough consistency there to build up your practice and really get the benefits of what the Buddha has to teach. And if you haven't had a teacher, then you may not have been meditating in the way that the Buddha taught. So a person who's going to attain enlightenment is not a person who's going to meditate for a month or two or three or even seven. You have to build up your practice slowly, gradually to the point where you're willing to meditate for multiple years, essentially the rest of your life. You may not see the benefits at this point because you're just getting started. But as you learn and as you accumulate benefits more and more, you'll start seeing the benefits of meditating. And it's just like brushing your teeth that you probably wouldn't leave the house without brushing your teeth or taking a shower because you've seen the benefits of doing so. But early on in your life, your parents had to keep reminding you to do it. There were times when you tried to get out of doing it and you tried to sneak past your parents and not brush your teeth and not take a shower because you didn't quite see the benefits in it yet. But at some point in your life, there was a transition and you started seeing the benefits of brushing your teeth and taking a shower. And now you wouldn't even think about leaving the house necessarily without doing that. Well, meditation is the same way. You might have kind of dabbled with it for a while and you might even still dabble with it as part of this program for a while. But more and more, if you ramp up your practice, staying dedicated, staying diligent in your practice, consistently practicing over a longer and longer period of time, then you will see the benefits. If you make a plan that you're going to meditate every day for a week and you don't meditate for a day or two, it's okay. It's not about did you meditate every day this week? It's about are you going to be meditating for three years, five years, 10 years, right? That's where somebody attains enlightenment. Your enlightenment isn't going to be determined whether you missed meditation today or not. It's going to be determined based on your development of this consistent practice over multiple years. So regardless of who we are or what has happened in our past, if we can hear your voice right now and we're willing to make the effort, we can attain the benefits of this path? Exactly. If you're a male, a female, uh, it doesn't matter. If you have one preference of sexual orientation or another, it doesn't matter. If you have a husband, wife, partner, children, if you have a job, anybody and anybody who's willing to learn intellectually and has the capability to do that, then you can attain enlightenment. You just need to apply your dedication and your effort to doing so. And I'm motivated to help you progress on the path. There's no requirements for you. I don't have any expectations of you. I'm just openly offering my support and the teachings from the Buddha and all the resources to be able to learn. And yeah, if you can hear my voice and you're interested in getting rid of discontentedness, if you're done and you're like, you know what? Yeah, I don't like feeling sad. I don't like feeling anger. 
I don't enjoy being frustrated or feeling guilty or having fears. And I don't like boredom and loneliness and all these other discontent feelings. Then if that's where you are and you're willing to do the work, then you're in the right place. And I'm here to help you and you can progress along this path. Thank you, David. Let's go to Basim now for our Zoom questions. Hi, Ms. James. We have a question from Johnny. He asks us, can you practice Buddhism as a Christian? Yes, absolutely. So one of the important things to keep in mind is that Buddhism, while we call it Buddhism today, during the life of the Buddha, it wasn't called Buddhism. In fact, the Buddha himself wasn't a Buddhist. He basically independently discovered these teachings, awakening to enlightenment, and then he started teaching and sharing this better way of life. When he awakened to enlightenment and he started sharing the teachings with other people, he didn't say, hey, I discovered a new religion, right? He never said that. He didn't even use that word ever. What he said was, I discovered a better way of life. So today we have these labels of Buddhism, Christianity, Hinduism, Muslim, you know, all these different faiths and beliefs and traditions that are available in the world and all of them have certain teachings and if you look at them there's a lot of similarities between all of them but what's important to understand is that this label of buddhism that we often hear in the world it's to label or categorize people and you don't need to adopt this label you can remain understanding the teachings of jesus christ or hinduism or the prophet muhammad and all these other teachings that are out there in the world but by learning and practicing the Buddhist teachings, you learn this better way of life, which you'll see is very much in sync with all of these other traditions. Because the Buddha was a man. He wasn't a god. He wasn't a prophet. He wasn't a messiah. He wasn't a lord. Any of these other titles that people use, that's not what he used. He just knew that he was a human being. He was a a man and he was a teacher so when you learn his teachings you'll see that there's a lot of similarities between what jesus christ taught and what the buddha taught so by you integrating the teachings of the buddha into your life practice you're not worshiping any false gods because the buddha never taught to worship a god you're not having any additional lord or savior because the buddha never described himself that way he never discussed any of that stuff he just shared this better way of life and in my view he didn't even share it as a religion but instead as a better way of life so that's why i titled this book developing a life practice because you're developing this practice of gaining wisdom to make wiser and wiser choices in your life thanks teacher no more questions for now okay so now let's talk about how we're going to actually progress well, one of the first things I suggest you do is you obtain a, a version of this book, Developing a Life Practice, The Path That Leads to Enlightenment, Volume 1. And it's completely free and available for you. If you go to the website, buddhadailywisdom.com, from there, there's a button that it'll take you to free books, to download free books. And you can also take that PDF and you can print it yourself if you would like a printed copy or you can order it on Amazon. Amazon is used all throughout the world. 
and this book is on Amazon and you can order it there and get a nicely bound and printed version of the book if you'd like. But be sure you acquire either an electronic version or a printed version of this book because you're going to be interested to read as we progress week by week. And there's some chapters that are shorter than others. Some of them might only take you 10 minutes to read. Others might take you closer to an hour. But either way, if you kind of sit with the book, maybe like 10 or 15 minutes a day, even those chapters that are maybe an hour of reading, just read like 10 minutes of it a day to kind of slowly trickle it into the mind rather than trying to take on this big, huge amount of information and then attempting to kind of reflect on that and practice that. Just take in little small bites. It's kind of like if you were eating a pizza or a piece of cake, taking a big, huge bite and trying to chew that is a lot harder than if you just take small little bites and kind of chew and digest. So that's what you'd like to do with this book is just take small little sections, maybe 10 minutes, 15 minutes a day, and just kind of read it little by little so you can digest it through reflection and then practicing it. So be sure to acquire one of these books. And on this Sunday, we're going to be studying the Eightfold Path, the first two steps, which are called Right View and Right Intention. This is part of Chapter 5. You can read that if you like. We're going to actually cover that chapter later in the program, about two months from now. But I'm going to cover it here at the beginning of the program in order to give you an overview of what the Path to Enlightenment is. But if you would like to get started reading something, go ahead and read the preface and then read the first part of chapter five because we're gonna be studying right view and right intention. The way the program unfolds is every Sunday, I'll be covering one chapter a week, aside from this first kind of four weeks that we're gonna be doing just to kind of ramp the program up. Once we start with chapter one, we're gonna be doing just one chapter a week. And that talk's gonna be done on Sundays. And as I mentioned, you can learn through Zoom, through Facebook, YouTube, through the podcast, through Twitch, through Periscope. All of these different options are available and they're recorded in all of those places. So you can attend live if you like, and that will help you to be able to engage with other members of the community and ask questions live. But throughout seven months, there's surely going to be times where you're not able to make the live class. And then at another point in your schedule, you just decide to sit down and take in the content from that class. And then as you have questions, you can ask those in the Facebook group, send me a private message, schedule a personal guidance session, or just ask in the next class. So these classes are going to be on Sunday, where we're covering one chapter a week. And then on Wednesday, we're going to be covering either breathing mindfulness meditation, loving kindness meditation, or chanting. And all of these, I have them based on the Thai time zone, but eventually you figure out what time it is in your neck of the woods, and you just know to tune in at that time. So like if you're on the East Coast of America, right now, these classes, I believe, are at 10 a.m. on Sunday and Wednesday. But once you guys switch times, it's going to be 9 a.m. So you just have to be aware of that and keep your eye out for that. But other parts of the world, you'll just figure out what time it is in your country, in your time zone, and just tune in at that time. You can 
also be sure to study and understand that everything that you learn and all the progress that you make on this path, it's based on your own independent study. This path to enlightenment, while there's a teacher, there's members of the community, we're all supporting and encouraging each other along this path, always keep in mind that it's definitely and purely an independent journey. Nobody can give you enlightenment. You can't pray for enlightenment. You can't worship anybody to get enlightenment. You can't ask for enlightenment from anybody. If you're going to attain enlightenment, you need to do the work in order to attain it. So that's why I call this an independent journey or independent study. So you have to make the decision to read the book or to listen to the audiobook or watch the videos or listen to the podcast, take the quizzes, come to class and be sure that you ask questions. This isn't the type of path where you just listen to somebody talk and it's like, oh, that's nice. And then you just go home. Instead, the way to get the most benefit and actually make progress and actually attain enlightenment is you're going to need to ask questions. The way that this whole thing works is that a teacher will share teachings with you and provide you resources in order to learn the teachings. But it's only when you dig in and you ask questions and seek guidance to get clarification that you can build up your practice. So if you always remember it's your own independent journey with these other people who are around to support and encourage you along the way, but you've got to do the work. And as long as you maintain it that way, where it's you picking up the book and you deciding to come to class, you deciding to ask questions, then you know, like, I need to find this information out for me. So ask all the questions that you'd like to ask. Questions are more than welcome. There's no such thing as a silly question. So feel free to ask any question that comes up in all of those ways that I mentioned. And as I've been talking, there is no belief in these teachings. You'll need to independently verify the truth in order to acquire wisdom. You need to learn, reflect, and practice the teachings. And as you do and you see the truth, then this wisdom will help to awaken the mind and you'll make wiser and wiser choices. You'll hear me talk about this at different times where I'll share with you at the very beginning of a lot of the talks that I have in the first couple of weeks is I'll start out the talk with, remember, don't believe me. Don't believe anything I say. Instead, listen, learn, reflect by looking inward and discovering whether what I'm sharing with you could or could not be the truth. If you think it's not quite the truth or you're not quite sure or you need some clarity, that's where you ask questions and you seek guidance. Then once you more fully understand the teaching, you move it into practice and you start practicing it on a daily basis so that you can for sure see the truth. And if there's something as you're implementing it that you're not quite understanding or it doesn't seem to be working out the way that your teacher shared, that's when you circle back and you ask your teacher some more questions in order to get help so that you can further clarify your practice and develop your practice more and more. It's very important that you establish a daily meditation practice. And I'm going to help you do this on the Wednesdays. But outside of that, you'll need to develop your own practice where you're setting aside time to meditate, doing breathing mindfulness meditation at first, 
But then after about four weeks, we'll add in loving kindness meditation. Now, ultimately what you would like to get to is where you're meditating two or three times a day for about 30 minutes or more per day. But that might not be where you start. Most people don't start there. Most people start with maybe once a day for about five minutes or 10 minutes, or they might start twice a day for five or 10 minutes or 15 minutes. And that's fine. That's where you're at. That's where you're starting. But the goal is that you'll need to expand this wider and wider in order to accumulate more and more benefits. And I'll help you do that on Wednesdays when we meet together and I help you understand meditation more detail, then you'll be able to see how to actually do that. You wouldn't be able to meditate your way to enlightenment. You need much more than just meditation. But you wouldn't be able to attain enlightenment without meditation either. You're going to need it as part of your foundation in order to build all the other teachings on top of. So be sure you start setting aside time for yourself. In this little meditation that I did today, you can do that now for the next few days because next Wednesday we'll go into it a lot more detail and I'll help you see how to do breathing mindfulness meditation so you can build up your practice in more detail. Breathing mindfulness meditation was the primary method of meditation that the Buddha used throughout his enlightenment to actually attain enlightenment. And then throughout the rest of his life, he always referred back to breathing mindfulness meditation as being the primary method of meditation that he always practiced. So that's why we're going to be starting out with that one first. And I'll help you build your practice to understand how to do this. And then that's where you'll start seeing the results. All the other teachings that I share with you, you wouldn't be able to attain enlightenment without those. And you're going to need to learn those and practice those. But it's when you combine those with meditation that you're going to see the most results. If you've learned Buddhist teachings anywhere else from anyone else or any other resources, you might decide to kind of set those aside for now. So if you're currently meditating, maybe with phone apps or YouTube videos or any kind of other resources, the best way for you to see what you're learning here is the truth is that if you kind of slowly, gradually set those things aside and you start ramping up your practice with what I'm sharing. Because if you're doing both things at the same time, you're not going to necessarily know where the results are coming from. But if you introduce this new aspect of what you're learning in this program, then you'll know that the results are coming from the teachings that you're learning here in this program. What I share with you, I've confirmed four different ways to make sure it's the truth and that I'm only sharing with you the wisdom of the Buddha. The first way is that everything that I share connects back to the Pali Canon in one way or another. The Pali Canon is the largest, most complete source of Gautama Buddha's teachings. When he died, everything was taught orally, but after his death, there were people who wrote down his teachings in order to hand them down from generation to generation. We now have those teachings in English, and what I share connects back to those original source teachings from the Buddha in his own words. Next, when I learned those teachings in the Pali Canon, I never believed anything that I saw in the Pali Canon. Instead, I learned them and I practiced them to see the truth for myself. And as I did, and I saw the condition of the mind 
gradually improving, then I know through confirmation of my own practice that what I discovered in the polycanon and the remnants that are there, that those are in fact the truth. So those are the first two ways. The third way is I've been teaching now for a few years and I even kind of did some light teaching when I was back in America back in 2005 until I left in 2015. And what I share with students and they learn it and they practice it, they see the improvement to the condition of their mind as well. Based on the polycanon, based on my own experiences, they are experiencing similar results as well. And then the fourth way is living here in Thailand. There's occasions where Thai people will find out that I'm sharing the teachings of the Buddha and they will ask me, you know, what do you teach? How do you teach meditation? And how do you teach the Four Noble Truths? Or what do you teach for the five precepts or something like this? And then when I share with them what I teach, they say, oh, that's interesting because that's the same things that we learn in Thai from ordained practitioners who we know to be enlightened. You're teaching the same things that they're teaching. So that's the fourth way that I've confirmed what I share is the truth. So it all connects back to the source teachings of the Buddha in his own words. I learned that and experienced the results for myself. Then I share those teachings with students who also experience the results as well, the diminishing of this discontentedness. And then the fourth way is that Thai people who learn from enlightened master monks share with me that what I'm sharing in English is the same thing they're learning in Thai from these master monks. So this is how I know that everything you're learning is going to be the truth and it's going to improve the mind and it's going to lead to wisdom to awaken the mind. But you won't be able to see that very clearly if you mix it in with other things that you've been learning in other places. So if you're able to set that stuff aside or ask me questions about it and say, hey, David, this is something that I've learned. Is this something that you would suggest? Or what do you think about this? Is this going to be beneficial or, or not? And this is kind of common when someone first starts learning with me. If they've been learning in other places, they'll sometimes schedule a personal guidance session or they'll send me an email or a private message and they'll share some things with me that they've been doing and they're kind of curious how this relates to the Buddhist teachings. Ultimately, it's your choice of what to include in your life practice and what not to include. I will never tell you definitively what you should or shouldn't do in your life because it's your free will. It's your choices to make. But if you ask me, how does this relate or not relate to the Buddhist teachings? I will share that with you. And then you decide for yourself, you know, what is the best option for you? Any questions here on how we're going to be progressing in the program? You've mentioned, David, about independent verification on this path. And is it accurate to say that the benefits that we receive are not something that happened to us, but something that we actively have to acquire? Absolutely. The word that you use there, acquire, is so important. Sometimes rather than even saying attain enlightenment, I will often use uh, the, the phrase, you know, experience enlightenment. The only way you're going to experience enlightenment or acquire any benefits is if you decide to walk forward on this path 
and do this independent verification of the teachings through your own independent journey. You need teacher to introduce you to the teachings and share that intellectual learning with you and for you to reach out and seek guidance from somebody when you're meeting challenges and you're having things that you need to clarify as part of this path. You need somebody that you can reach out to and that's what I'm here for. But by you doing the work through this independent verification, through you doing the meditation, by you coming to class and doing all these other things, that's how you're going to acquire any benefits whatsoever. There's nothing that's going to just magically happen for you. You actually have to create it to happen for yourself. Would you say that the harder one works at this path, the more benefits one receives? Or is there perhaps a more moderate approach that you would recommend? Depends on what you mean by harder. If you mean just nose to the grindstone kind of hard, I wouldn't necessarily agree with that. But I like the other part that you were saying is where you were saying kind of like more of a moderate approach. That's more of like the middle way. If upon hearing about this enlightened mental state that's peaceful, calm, serene, and content with joy, you start craving it, you start wanting it, you start expecting it to occur, well, that's going to create discontentedness in the mind. But also, if you are kind of lazy and lackadaisical and not really doing any work to kind of progress along the path, that's not going to create results for you either. So what you're talking about there, James, with that moderate approach, that's ideal for someone to really just kind of work into their life where they're meditating consistently, they're looking at the resources consistently, they're coming to classes consistently, they're seeking guidance consistently, and you just kind of gradually walk the path with the Buddha. We're not running the path with the Buddha. We're not sitting on the couch with the Buddha or dragging our feet along the path with the Buddha. We're walking the path with the Buddha. So as long as you keep that in mind, not running, not dragging the feet, but walking the path with the Buddha. And you mentioned setting aside what we've previously learned, and you also showed us your book. Do you believe that it can be beneficial to focus solely on your book? Because there may be this desire, especially as we begin on the path, to just read and take in whatever intellectual knowledge that we can. But do you think it's best to just focus on the teachings that you're sharing for now? Yes, and here's why. You know, when we think about the Buddhist teachings, particularly if you're coming from another tradition, you might think that there's kind of like a centralized organization that has accumulated the Buddhist teachings and then everybody teaches exactly the same thing. This actually isn't true. Because of impermanence, and there is no centralized organization that collects the teachings and disseminates those, every teacher, every author is going to be sharing things and explaining things in a different way. So. If you're learning with one particular teacher, what I've observed to be best is that you just learn with that teacher and they should have resources for you, books, videos, podcasts, classes, and all of these different things. And if you just dive in with that teacher, in a matter of a few weeks, you should be able to see that what they're teaching is the truth. Because when you verify their teachings, you should be able to see that, okay, the teacher said this, and when I go off into the world and I look around, that's the truth, and I can see the truth. Okay, the teacher taught to meditate in this way, and when I've done that for the last week or two, I see an improvement to the condition of the mind. So this is the truth. 
So in a matter of a few weeks, you should be able to see that everything that I'm sharing with you is the truth. It's leading to more and more wisdom in the mind. As you practice what I'm sharing, you're starting to notice discontentedness slowly start to diminish, but you will only get to that if you just fully focus on the teachings that I'm sharing because every teacher is going to share things differently. Even in a lot of places in social media and things like this, there's a lot of different groups and a lot of different places where you can kind of discuss the teachings. And in all these different places, you're going to hear a million and one different perspectives on the teachings. And this can create a lot of confusion in the mind. Well, one of the biggest challenges with the unenlightened mind is confusion. It's a lack of clarity. It's ignorance or what we call unknowing of true reality or delusion. So the more that you can kind of strip out all of this erroneous input that's going into the mind in terms of what the Buddhist teachings are, then you'll be able to really focus on what it is that's being shared with you so that you can create some real progress in your practice. So when people first get started, I do suggest that they only study with the resources that I share, at least for the first six months to a year, and really the better part of a year. But in reality, the first two or three weeks, you're going to notice that, okay, what David's sharing is the truth and it's working. So that'll give you the confidence to go ahead and keep dedicating your time, effort, and energy towards learning with these resources. And then after you've been studying for you know a while, you've got this really good, strong foundation, you're noticing a lot of improvements, you really understand the teachings really well. If you'd like to kind of like look at other things at that point, then you at least have a foundation in which to understand what other people are talking about and what other things that are out there in the world. The really best and most well-known teachers here in Thailand, one that I know of really specifically, he asked his students to dedicate six years of learning specifically with him before going out to learn with any other teachers. So that's kind of the level of dedication and commitment that a teacher here is typically looking for. I don't have that expectation and anything that I share, like when I say, you know, I recommend that for at least six or months or a year that you don't look at any other resources. Well, if you happen to look at resources, okay, that's your choice. And I don't have any expectation that you should or shouldn't do that. But if since you're asking me the question of, you know, what's the way to get the best results out of this path, then absolutely studying just with one teacher for an extended period of time. That way you're not mixing and matching things and you can get things very clear in the mind of exactly what's the path to enlightenment. You can see this path illuminate more and more and more with these lights that are lighting up the path so it's easier and easier for you to walk because that's essentially what a teacher is doing. The students that are unenlightened, they're in the darkness, for example, right? And a teacher should be holding the light and they should be showing the path to the students. And then over time, the student's light comes on more and more. They gain more and more wisdom and they can see this path more and more clearly. And the teacher's helping them see the path and kind of guiding them along the path with the teacher's light. But then as the student gains more and more wisdom, this path becomes more and more illuminated. Well, if there's five or six or 10 different paths and the student starts walking down one of these paths without their teacher, 
and they don't have a light, then they're going to stumble, they're going to fall, they're going to trip over things. And what students end up doing is they spend more time sorting out their confusion of how these teachings are different than this person's and that person's are different than this person's and that person's is different than this person's. You spend more time doing all of that than just connecting with one teacher and seeing that all the way through so that you can actually see progress with that one teacher walking forward. We may be accustomed to a learning style in which we learn through reading, we learn through acquiring this knowledge, but what would you say in this path it's just as important that we investigate and that we meditate? Are those just as if not more important than actually acquiring knowledge? Yeah, just reading? Yeah, just having the intellectual knowledge of the teachings won't actually lead to enlightenment. There's many people in the world, and I mostly think about scholars or historians or archaeologists. There's many people who understand the teachings intellectually, and they can have a very intellectual conversation with you, but they haven't moved the teachings into practice in order to experience the results. And this is where you really gain the wisdom. So the way to progress on this path is yes you need that intellectual learning because there's no other way to bring the teachings into the mind but what you would really like to do is move that into reflection and move that into practice because that's where you see the real results is in the practice because what you're trying to do is change the condition of the mind the one way to think about this is the unenlightened mind has this pollution that's inhibiting it from experiencing this enlightened mental state. And what you're doing through the Buddhist teachings is you're eliminating this pollution of the mind in order to allow this enlightened mind to shine through. And intellectual learning isn't going to change the condition of the mind. That's just content. That's just intellectual learning. But when you start practicing the teachings, this is what changes the condition of the mind, moves that pollution out and brings in these wholesome qualities that you can now experience this enlightened mental state. Thank you, David. I believe any further questions would be best to say for the end. Okay, well, I just have one more thing to share with you guys. As you heard me share, the program that you're learning with is completely free. I don't know that I've said that explicitly, but it's definitely in all the books and anywhere that you gained exposure to know about these classes and come to them. These teachings are offered openly and freely to anybody who comes and decides that they have a sincere interest in learning and practicing these teachings. You'll never hear me ask you for any money. You'll never hear me actually ask you for a donation even. I'll teach you why there's donations as part of the Buddhist path, but I won't actually ask you for it. But since the program is offered openly and freely, what I always suggest people to do is to not think of it as being free because free is an F word and the F word isn't a word that we should really use. The F word is kind of like a can be a dirty word that kind of leads the mind to not practice in the best way, because when we get something for free, we don't always appreciate it and approach something that's free in the same way as something that we might have paid for. 
So oftentimes when we pay for something, we value it more and we actually become more dedicated and more sincere to pursue that because we've actually paid for it. So since this program, there's no cost to it and there never will be a cost to it. It is offered openly and freely. What I encourage students to do is to just imagine, just imagine for this seven month program that you spent the better part of $10,000 to take this seven month program. This is equivalent to kind of like a, a semester or two in a really good quality school, like a university or something like that. Think that you've spent $9,999 for this seven month program and imagine all the effort, all the energy, all the work, all the blood, sweat, and tears that you would have needed to exert in order to accumulate that amount of money. And then you've just handed it over to somebody and now you've enrolled in this program. If you can keep that mental state, that in your imagination, that this is what you've actually paid to participate in this program, then maybe in those times where you're feeling like, uh, I don't know if I should meditate or uh, I'm not going to really pick up the book today. This can be that extra motivation. Just kind of convince the mind that you've handed over this massive amount of money in order to take this program. That way you can raise your level of seriousness and dedication to actually learn and practice the teachings that you're learning in this program. Because the way that this program works is just like everything else in the world. You get out of it what you put into it. If you put in some effort and energy to learn and practice, you're gonna get some benefits. But if you really put in some time, effort, energy, and really set aside some time throughout your week, dedicated and taking this program seriously, then you'll see the results because of that. So as you embark on this journey, this independent journey, and I'm here to support you and encourage you, never asking you for anything whatsoever. I have no expectations of you whatsoever. I'm here with open arms and open heart and open mind to help you learn and practice along this path. Just envision that you've handed over this amount of money and that that can be a motivator for you to not consider it to be free, but consider it that you're needing to put forth effort to really step up your life and develop this life practice. And if this helps you, then use it. If it doesn't and you think it's just kind of silly, then just forget that I ever said it, but still remain dedicated and diligent to the practice because what you put into this program, that's what you'll get out of it. And this is for your benefit, right? By you learning and practicing these teachings, it's going to help you. It's going to help those around you that are closest to you because you're not going to be causing harm to the people around you. And through that, then it's going to help all of humanity. So think about that as you embark on this journey, that you're doing this for your own benefit and that you will get out of it what you put into it. And I'm here to help you and guide you with an open heart, open arms, open mind, but you'll have to do the work to experience the results. So this is everything I was gonna share with you guys today. If there's any questions, we can just open those up and see what questions you guys have. I was wondering, David, 
Do you have any recommendations regarding how we approach divorce? For instance, how we structure our reading or any general advice about how we approach the actual course content? I think everybody's going to do it a bit differently, but if I was you, I, I wouldn't put pressure on yourself. I wouldn't think about it as you have to look perfect in front of the teacher or you have to look like this perfect student. You know, if we happen to be in a conversation and I might mention like, hey, have you read chapter one yet? You're, and you just say, nope, I haven't. haven't taken the opportunity. You know, the more honest and the more forthcoming you are is really helpful. If you schedule a private discussion with me, for example, that's really helpful because if you get to know your teacher a little bit, that can be really helpful for you. But also having your teacher know you a little bit and a little bit about your life and what you've experienced, this can actually help me to have a frame of reference to understand some of the challenges that you're facing. And then whenever you ask questions, either privately or otherwise, then I'll have that bit of background to be able to help you and bring forth very specific and detailed teachings that will help you in your life. So what I notice is the people who do the best in this program are the people that have spent a little bit of time to get to know me and allow me to get to know you, and you'll make a lot more progress that way. And then of course, like I talked about before, is just trickling the teachings into the mind, just 10, 15 minutes a day of reading, at the very most, maybe 20 minutes of reading. But anything more than that, the mind kind of goes into overload and it can't hold on and it can't retain it. So the goal isn't just to get to the end of the chapter. The goal isn't just to get to the end of the program. The goal isn't just to get to the end of the book and kind of plow through it. The goal is to kind of gradually walk through this program and walk through this book so that you can retain the teachings and understand them, applying them in your life and gaining the wisdom that's there for you. As some of you know that there are students who have taken this program two, three, four times even in order to glean more and more insight from this program. And that's what you'd really like to have the mindset of is, is not just let me get to the seven months or let me just get to the end of the chapter or let me just get to the end of class you got to think of it as you're kind of gradually walking through the program and your real goal is to absorb the wisdom of the Buddha, not to just get to the end. One of the aspects of learning the Buddhist teachings and getting to enlightenment is you gain this contentedness or this peacefulness, also this clarity, this concentration. And something to think about is the classes on Wednesday tend to be an hour and a half long. Sometimes they can go a little bit longer. And if you're used to kind of like a 50 minute class or an hour class, then, you know, these might feel a little bit longer. And then on Sundays, you know, they go kind of like right around two hours. But think of them not as, you know, gosh, the classes are so long. They're two hours long. Think of it as not only are you learning the teachings, not only are you understanding the Buddhist path in these classes, but you're also training the mind to focus on something for two hours, right? That's not really that long of a period of time. With the way that modern society has gone, you know, we're kind of used to a five-minute YouTube video or a 10-minute thing here or there or a quick Facebook post and we just read a little smidget. We're not kind of used to these longer 
content-driven programs. Well, one of the things that you're doing by coming to these classes and experiencing an hour and a half or two hour class, not only are you learning the content of the class, but you're training the mind to be focused and have concentration and clarity during that entire period of time. So that's something to keep in mind as you're learning either on the replay or as you're learning in class. And to add to that, while you're learning in class or you're learning on the replay is work at doing just one thing at a time even though you're on the computer rather than listening to me speak and then also sending an email or looking at facebook or replying to a post really spend your time dedicated just doing one thing at a time the buddha called this singleness of mind or single-mindedness this is part of the practice to develop so not only are you learning the teachings in these classes not only are you training the mind to concentrate and stay focused for an hour and a half or two hours but you're also training the mind to focus on just one thing at a time which is not normal for modern society so you're really getting all these benefits wrapped up into this class and if you approach it that way with that understanding and that your mind isn't probably gonna like that because it's not used to it. It's not used to sitting and listening to someone for an hour and a half or two hours. But if you're engaging with the content and you're thinking and you're reflecting, you're not believing, you're formulating questions, you're asking follow-up questions, you're really considering and being inquisitive about what it is that's being taught, then what you'll notice is that you can actually train this mind to be utterly focused not just for hour and a half or two hours, but your entire day. That's what the real goal is, is bringing the mind to the middle where the mind can stay focused and have concentration for an entire day. And over multiple days, this is where the mind moves closer and closer into the enlightened mental state. We may have come from traditions in which guilt or fear were a part of what we were taught or what we learned as a way of motivation. Is there any way or is there any place for guilt or fear along this path? The Buddha never used guilt, shame or fear to motivate anyone to study his teachings. Um, a Buddha doesn't function that way. The path to enlightenment and the enlightened mental state is all about eliminating discontentedness. And guilt, shame and fear is part of the discontentedness that the enlightened mental state and the path to enlightenment is going to eliminate. So a Buddha wouldn't use guilt, shame, and fear to eliminate guilt, shame, and fear because he's working to help you eliminate those aspects of the mind along this path. And a Buddha's mind is already so utterly peaceful, so calm, so serene, so content, so much joy, so much loving kindness, so much compassion, so much equanimity they already have solved the problem of the discontent mind and they know they've solved it because they've been experiencing the enlightened mental state for however long they've awakened at the point that they're teaching well when they're teaching they're not trying to force somebody or control somebody they're not trying to coerce somebody into learning their teachings they're essentially making themselves available for the rest of their life and they're saying, okay, I figured this out. I understand how to attain this enlightened mental state. And for anyone out there who's interested in experiencing that same mental state, if you aspire to eliminate discontentedness, 
you aspire to experience this peaceful mental state, then I'm here to share that with you and I'm here to teach it to you. But they're not going to try to twist someone's arm through guilt, shame, and fear because that's one of the aspects of the mind that they're trying to help you to eliminate. So if at any point you've ever run across anything about Buddhist teachings that use those kind of aspects, then you know that that's not actually how the Buddha taught. When you learn through his words, his own words, his own discourses, you'll never see him using guilt, shame, or fear in order to try to convince someone to learn his teachings or to practice his teachings. Uh, He's just explaining the truth. Even when he talks about rebirth in hell, for example, or rebirth in the animal realm or the afflicted spirits realm, he never does it in kind of a gloom or doom way. He just basically just explains the truth. And he just says it very plainly, very clearly. And then there's no judgment in this practice where you're trying to judge whether somebody else is good or bad or wholesome or unwholesome because anyone who's on the path to enlightenment and has not yet attained enlightenment, they already know they're not perfect. And they're on this path because they're not perfect. And everyone else isn't perfect either. So there's no not only guilt, shame, or fear, but there's also no judgment of other people to judge, you know, who's more enlightened than the other? And is this person more enlightened than that person? And who's the most enlightened person among us? You know, there's not that kind of aspect of uh, Buddhist teachings. It's just everybody working together to encourage and motivate and support each other along this path because you don't win when you attain enlightenment. I mean, yes, you've won. You've won the war that is waging in the mind. But the true win is when everybody attains enlightenment. And that's what we should all be working towards as a community is to help everyone in the world attain enlightenment. Not that we need to take on that as an obligation. We're not trying to convince other people to attain enlightenment. We're focusing on our own practice in this life practice and on this path to enlightenment. We're only focused on our own mind and improving the condition of our own mind. But rather than judging other people that they're good or bad or wholesome or unwholesome, instead, just have compassion, concern for their misfortune or loving kindness, a genuine interest in seeing all beings be well and know that when everyone in the world attains enlightenment, that's when we really if truly one is all of humanity. And if we really do our work this lifetime, you won't actually be around when everybody attains enlightenment. You'll be long gone if you attain enlightenment in this lifetime. Because in this lifetime, everyone's not going to attain enlightenment. But you, working on your own life practice, you can attain enlightenment. And that's what the real goal is in this practice, is your practice, not changing other people but improving the condition of your mind. As we start out on this path, would you say that there are any potential bad habits that we can pick up that we should be mindful of? There's a a ton uh, that people uh, often come to the path with. That's what the whole path is about. One of the phrases that we use when we talk about what the Buddha did during his lifetime is, a Buddha is essentially a trainer of human beings and heavenly beings. He's training human beings how to tame their own mind. So you can think about the unenlightened mind like a wild animal that doesn't want to be tamed. 
this wild animal doesn't want to be tamed. It wants to run around and it wants to frolic in the forest and it wants to fight and it wants to argue and it wants to complain and it wants to have all these negative things that are going on in the world. But at the same time, you know, there's people who would like to have certain positive things happening in the world, but they just don't know how to do it. Well, that's what this path to enlightenment is all about, is providing you the wisdom that you've never experienced your whole life. You've probably wondered, how can I improve my life? How can I make it better? Well, the Buddhist teachings are like the best self-help program you've ever encountered because it's been proven and tested over 2,500 years. The reason why his teachings are still here today is because they work. So by you engaging in the teachings and approaching them as a self-help program where your teacher is guiding you in those, but you have to do the work, then you can see that you can actually make progress on this path. And that as these bad habits come up, as certain things that you experience in your life, uh, you can tame the mind. And one of the biggest challenges that I see is if your mind's been conditioned as good or bad, or you're a good person or a bad person, this can be detrimental because as you learn the teachings and then you embark and you actually try to practice them and you realize that you're not perfect, even though you learned in class how to practice something like right speech, when you actually go implement it, it's going to take you many months to really perfect that. And when you realize in the first couple of weeks that you're not practicing the way that your teacher taught, that can be detrimental to the mind and you can fall into the trap of, I'm no good at this. Even with meditation, I'm no good at this. My mind's too busy. Well, that's the whole reason why this Buddhist path is important for you is because your mind is busy. It is overactive and you are having challenges along this path and you're not practicing these teachings. So rather than craving perfection and thinking that you're going to be perfect once you learn these teachings and then because you learned it in class, you should be able to go out and be an expert at it. It doesn't work that way. There's nothing you've ever learned in your entire life that you learned once and then you became an expert at it the next day. It just doesn't work that way. So you got to always think about this as a gradual progression and that you're gradually learning. And this is why you'll see me talk about the same topic over the course of seven months. I'll kind of introduce a certain teaching that I know is important. I'll kind of introduce it at different points in the program to help you with this being repetitive where you'll hear it more than one time in this program so that it'll really sink in. You might not have gotten it 100% the first time, might have only gotten 10 or 20%, but the second, third, fourth time, it'll start making more and more sense to you and clarify for you so that then you can soak it into the mind and deeply understand it and practice it. We may have been told that joy and peace is something that is waiting for us at the end of our life or after our life. Is the Buddha sharing with us that these things are available for us right now during our life if we approach this path? Exactly, James, that the Buddhist teachings aren't about believing a bunch of things. And then when you die, those good things are going to happen because that's kind of the wrong time to figure out if your beliefs were true or not. If you believed everything your whole life and then you died and then you find out whether they're true or not, that's not a gamble that you should be willing to take. Instead, what the Buddha is saying is 
hey, you can learn this now and you can see the improvements now. And then you know that you're on the right path and you're headed to better and better results in your life. So you can attain enlightenment in this life and experience that for the rest of this life. You can also experience enlightenment at death, but that's kind of like, you know, not the ideal situation because that means you went through all your life with anger, frustration, irritation, annoyance, guilt, shame, fear, all of those discontent feelings all throughout your life. You never really got to truly experience a peaceful and calm mind, a serene mind, a joyful mind. So by doing your work to learn and practice, then you get to experience the results of that for the rest of your life. And finally, as we begin our walk on this path, are there any general tips you would give us about approaching the path? I feel like you've asked this question multiple times, just in different ways. The best thing is don't take yourself too seriously, right? Is just understand that this is a, a gradual progress. You know, as soon as you start getting stressed out about not practicing the teachings, that's where you've kind of taken yourself too seriously. You're craving to be perfect. So when I teach certain things in this class, and then you go out and you're expecting to be an expert at it in the first day, the first week, the first month, or even the first year with some of these teachings, you're putting unrealistic expectations on yourself, and it's only going to lead to stress and anxiety. So don't take yourself too seriously, but at the same time, don't allow yourself to be complacent or lazy. You got to find that middle where you're just consistently working towards the goal. Thank you, David. Those are all the questions we have for today. Okay. Well, thank you all for your questions and for attending today's class. For all of you guys that are rejoining and restarting this program for the second, third, fourth time, welcome. Glad that you guys are continuing to learn and decided to gain more insight into the Buddhist teachings. For those of you guys that are brand new and joining for the first time, welcome. You've got lots of brothers and sisters here that are warmly welcoming you to the program and you're able to learn and grow and progress along this path. You're welcome to come into the Zoom sessions a bit early before class and get to know some people. You're welcome to go into Facebook and start friending people and getting to know each other and joining the conversations because this is one of the ways that you soak the teachings into the mind that when you learn them, when you can kind of have some informal relationships with the different members of the community, you can start kind of articulating things and kind of discussing the teachings in different ways. The Buddha encouraged this among his students. Don't just learn from the teacher, but also discuss the teachings amongst yourselves as well. Because as you discuss the teachings amongst yourselves, then you'll have to kind of articulate those teachings and bring them to the forefront of the mind and it helps to soak them in deeper and deeper. So here, everyone's brothers and sisters, we're all joining together to help each other, encourage each other along this path. There's no one who's good or bad or unwholesome or wholesome. The unenlightened mind makes unwholesome decisions, but that doesn't mean we're a bad person. Whatever we've done in the past, it's in the past. No matter what we've done, whether we've been involved in drugs or alcohol or sexual misconduct or stealing or lying or killing or uh, anything that we've done in the past, it's all in the past. What this path is about is focusing on the here and now 
and gaining wisdom with support of a community around you to help you grow on the path, but always realizing it's your own independent journey that you are the one that has to do the work. So joining these classes is part of that work and I'm very pleased that you guys have decided to join us for today's class. On Sunday, we're gonna really start off and kick off this program truly on Sunday with discussing the first two steps of the Eightfold Path. This is right view and right intention. This is categorized as the wisdom because the Eightfold Path is categorized in three different sections. Right view and right intention is making up the wisdom of the Eightfold Path. The whole entire teachings of the Buddha is all wisdom. But we call this wisdom primarily because that first step of right view, we're going to be talking about the three universal truths. We're going to be talking about the four noble truths. And as I teach, I'm going to helping you see how to learn intellectually, how to reflect on those teachings. And then I'm going to show you how to practice them in your daily life so that you don't have to believe what's being shared. In those teachings, the Buddha is going to explain to you the cause of why you experience discontentedness. In very simple terms, will explain to you why is your mind continuing to experience sadness, anger, frustration, and all those other discontent feelings. Not only will we talk about the cause, but we're going to talk about how to eliminate them as well. Very detailed and very specific. And that's going to be a three-part series over the next three Sundays. And then if you join on Wednesday or you watch the replay back on Wednesday, that's where we're going to start the breathing mindfulness meditation. There's going to be four individual sessions where I'm going to help you get deeper and deeper into this meditation practice. So between now and Sunday or now and Wednesday, if you'd like to do a little bit of that meditation that I just kind of introduced you to a little bit today, you can do that and just kind of slowly start kind of dabbling with it as you start ramping up your practice here. If you'd like to read something, you can read chapter five, those first two steps, right view and right intention. That's in chapter five. And if you really are interested to move forward, you might even decide to look at the class that I taught seven months ago about this same topic because there's a playlist in YouTube that collects all the online classes that I've taught. And there's a playlist from last group learning program where I taught this exact same class. But when I teach it each time, it's going to be a bit different. And there's going to be different questions and different interactions. So if you would like to do any of those things, either dabbling with the meditation, reading chapter five, or looking at the video from seven months ago. Either way, I just like to once again, thank you for being here. This is the very best thing you could ever do for your life the life of those close to you and all of humanity, because as you improve the condition of your mind, you're going to be causing less and less harm in the world, which means less and less harm is going to be coming back to you. And it makes your life all that much better. And it makes the entire world that much better when there's fewer and fewer beings in the world causing harm. So thank you very much. We'll see you either on Sunday or Wednesday. Have a very lovely rest of your day. Sawadee Thank you for listening to this podcast. To provide support for this podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash support Buddha. 
To access more teachings, visit BuddhaDailyWisdom.com. There, you will discover a full range of courses, retreats, and online resources to assist you on the path to enlightenment. Remember to establish a daily, consistent meditation practice, along with learning and practicing these teachings. A well-developed meditation practice is the foundation in which to train the mind to attain enlightenment.